Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show featuring two friends who've been in the same book club for almost 20 years. I'm Carrie. My co-host Amy is energetic and she enjoys my sense of humor. I don't understand that. She amuses me with her lack of moderation and amazing technological savvy. I'm Amy. My co-host Carrie knows how to bring me down to real life uh, instead (laughs) of in the clouds. Or just bring you down, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) She dazzles me with her people skills and her ever sunny disposition. And sometimes I even make her leave her house. Basically, we're opposites, but we find common ground on our shared love of books. Each week we chat about what we're reading with each other and sometimes a special guest. We also dabble in other topics like books in the news, recent book-inspired films, our TBR counts, and general things that tease our brains. We're so glad you've joined us. So this week, we chat with a Lexington, Kentucky bookstagrammer, Shantae, who is such a devoted reader that she makes books part of virtually everything she does, from socializing to volunteering. Amy met Shantae in real life before COVID, and The Perks has been following her bookish adventures ever since. Shantae talks to us about a panel discussion she led in which she recommended books that uplift Black women, and she's going to tell us about some of those titles, as well as what she has learned from being a board member of her local library and how the reading events she attends enrich her life. She also shares her very strong and funny feelings about why she does not set numerical reading goals each year. But first, I want to mention that in this episode, you are going to hear a little bit of dog barking, mainly from my oldest dog, who is 12, Mochi, because she started being difficult, Carrie. It used to be I could put her in our laundry room downstairs with a treat and she would be happy, but then she started to bark down there. So then I put her in my bedroom and she was happy in there. Well, now she's no longer happy in there and she starts barking in there. I do not know where to put her where she will be happy (laughs) besides by my side. So I have started recording with her by my side uh, for these last few episodes, but this particular one, I had not figured out what to do about her yet. I was crossing my fingers that it wouldn't be very audible, but it was. <laughs> it was audible. So anyway, all I'm saying is please forgive the swear words that my dog is saying to me <laughs> she's on this just, episode. She's just going through that, you know, it, the older you get, the less you care about what people think. You're more like, yeah. I'm cranky. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Somebody needs to take care of me. I feel yeah. that. I'm a cranky old lady and I'm not even all that old. Speaking of pets that are making their owners' lives difficult, this this past weekend, my cat started limping, and so I have to take her to the vet today, which, you know, I can't have a limping cat. So we think it's maybe an ingrown nail. You mean like one of her... Her bat claws. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wonder how those get ingrown, like, because they kind of retract and... I don't know. Hmm. Are there like kitty podiatrists? I feel like maybe she needs to go to a... (laughs) Maybe. Well, she tends to be more energetic than our other one. And so I thought at first that maybe she had just jumped off something and landed funny. Yeah. But But then I noticed that it looks like her other claws, you can see them, but you can't see the claw of this particular pad. Oh, you know what I think happened? I bet she got it caught on something. Uh, And it ripped out. Oh, it could be. Because that happened to one of my dogs. One of her claws uh, was just gone. And I later found it. (laughs) Like between the cushions of the sofa. I think she had got it caught on a seam or something. And it pulled out. pulled it right out. This is going to tie in into a book I'm going to talk about in a second. About finding things in between the, you know, (laughs) cushions of your sofa. But... But I bet that that's what happened, in which case maybe it'll be an easy fix and they'll give her a little something in case it's infected, you know, yeah. but it'll just grow back. Well, I'm hoping that it's easy, but I am anticipating that they're going to have to sedate her and do like 
a full-on thing. Is your cat one of those cats who goes ballistic when they get into the vet office? Like the vet has to pull on the gloves that like go up to their shoulders? It's the thing. Part of the reason I don't really mess with her is because she goes ballistic if we try to do that. And then the vet is like, She's insane. You need to give her pills before you bring her. And I'm like, have you met this cat? I can do nothing with her. She doesn't take pills. Some genius vet needs to make those, you know, they're kind of like gogurts, but they're tuna for cats. Some genius vet needs to put sedatives in that so that maybe this cat will take it. Look, she's ballistic. How am I supposed to get a pill in her? Exactly. If she's ballistic, how am I supposed to trim her nails? If she's ballistic, how am I supposed... So I kind of leave her alone. I mean, if you don't mess with her, she's a very nice cat. You know, she's not like a mean cat. She just doesn't like to be fiddled with. You know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to be poked at and prodded. And I can't say I blame her. But anyway, the vet looks at me like, well, why don't you just do this? And I'm like, you can't do that so why are you you're the one with actual animal experience not me i didn't train for this well i never knew that they had these cat handling gloves Mm -hmm. until i worked at a basically sort of like a free clinic for you know for people who are very very low income and i realized that they had these they're like they're made of leather gloves and they have those because of cats like mine yeah yeah i'm not excited about this but you know She's not like whining or crying, but that's not what cats do. She's that's just right. like limping, yeah. you know, yeah. and, but so I got to, I got to get it checked out. But anyway, so that's what I did. Uh, okay. But now I really want to hear about this, the things between couch cushions, like maybe <laughs> feline nails. <laughs> well, we had a listener write in. I love it when listeners write in and she was looking for a book recommendation Rebecca wants a recommendation for a portal fantasy. She loves portal fantasy books. Uh, the books in this genre that she's read and loved are The Midnight Library, 10,000 Doors of January, Nightfall and the Garden of Deep Time. I've not read that one. I've got to look it up. Fairy Tale by Stephen King. And growing up, I loved The Secret Garden. She wants a f- more portal fantasy recommendations. She doesn't do vampires or fairies or other high fantasy tropes. She prefers more of a magical realism feel. And she has kids in elementary and middle school. So any similar recommendations for their reading level or books that she could read with them would also be appreciated. So I was very excited about this request because I too love Portal Fantasies and 10,000 Doors of January and The Secret Garden are two of my favorites as well. So the one that I have for an adult Portal Fantasy is actually a novella that I read several years ago called Fina, and it's by an author named Nino Cipri. And it takes place in a Swedish department store that sounds a whole lot like an Ikea. And the main characters are Ava and Jules. They are two salespeople who work at the store for low wages, like most retail jobs. And they are asked to do a job for the store that is dangerous, but apparently was in the fine print mm-hmm. <laughs> on their job description and they were not aware of. So what precipitates this is that there's an elderly customer who comes into the store with her granddaughter and she just disappears. And so when the dr- granddaughter comes to the customer service desk to report her grandmother missing and describes to the manager how her grandma sat down on a chair to set for a moment, you know, to like rest her feet. And then when the granddaughter turns around, the grandmother is gone. The manager convenes the employees to have them watch a training video from the company about protocols to retrieve people who fall through a portal in the store. So apparently this Ikea type department store knew that they had a portal in their store. So the manager assigns Ava and Jules to retrieve grandma from the multiverse that she finds herself in by falling through the chair. And to make matters worse, Ava and Jules just broke up two weeks ago. So I listened to this on audio. So it's great if you're an audiobook listener. It's just kind of a fun 
whimsical story that it does have a little bit more of a serious commentary on the divide between what we ask of low wage workers versus the money made by, you know, uh, higher ups. And it reminded me a little bit of like during COVID times when the essential workers who had to go to work and expose themselves to COVID were things like the grocery store workers or the Walmart workers. Um, And oftentimes, you know, they're the lowest paid. This story won awards the year it came out. It won the Hugo. It won the Nebula. It also won the Lambda Literary Award for LGBTQ fiction because Ava and Jules are a LGBTQ couple. Uh, There is a sequel to this called Defect, uh, which I have not read, but it's in the same, it's called the Litverse. It's in the same universe. Um, But I really enjoyed this one a lot. Again, the name of that is Fina by Nino Cipri. Okay, so the second book that you asked for was for a portal fantasy that you could read with your upper elementary middle grade child. And I have the perfect one for that. I was, I'm so excited to get to recommend this one again. I think I talked about it many years ago on the show, but it's called What We Found in the Sofa and How It Saved the World by Henry Clark. This is wacky and wild, but I loved it. There are three friends, River, Freak, and Fiona. And one day a mysterious sofa shows up at their bus stop. And while they're waiting at the bus, they examine the sofa a bit and find a zucchini colored crayon between the cushions. Now, can you imagine sticking your hands between the cushions of a sofa that just mysteriously appeared? Mm-mm. Yuck, not me. Okay. <laughs> but that crayon throws them into another universe that has an evil mastermind that has started an underground coal fire that continually burns in their neighborhood as a cover-up for a plot to transport alien invaders to Earth. This sounds pretty loony, and it is. I don't want to try to explain any of this or go into too much detail, but it is such fun. Just read it and then reevaluate all the sofas in your life (laughs) and what lies between the cushions. But Carrie, I think you read another, like a sequel to this book, didn't you? What we found in the corn maze and how it saved a dragon. Was it also a portal? Yes, but I think that in that book, the portal, I want to say it is a refrigerator. Different piece of furniture or accessory or appliance. (laughs) Something in the home. Was it a standalone or did it have the same characters? No, this had... Cal, Drew, and Modesty. Okay. Yeah. So it it's a similar type of story, but with different characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. But still a portal fantasy. So maybe check those out. Those are fun read-alongs with your kids. Uh, I hope that you enjoy both of those. And hey, listeners out there, do you want a book recommendation? I am all about it. I am on it like white on rice. Uh, So (laughs) send me your book requests by going to our website, click the contact button and tell me what you're looking for. I've just given some book recommendations and I think that we need to go talk to Shantae because she gives us some book recommendations for books that uplift black women. Let's do it. So we love talking to people who are book lovers. You know, that's what we're all about, perks of being book lovers. And so we have a guest this week who is a book lover. And she's a she's a big book lover. She might even be more of a book lover than Amy and I put together. I'm not sure. We're going to talk with her today. Shantae Hawkins, thanks so much for being with us. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we met a few years ago because you live in Lexington. We live in Louisville. And I think we met at like a book lover meetup. Was like for Kentucky book lovers. And I met you there, but I enjoy following your Instagram page because even though your day job is you're a marketing communications professional for a law school, your passion is books. And I feel like, and maybe this is just social media, but I feel like even though that is like your day job, really all of your outside of work revolves around your bookish life. And so like the things that you volunteer for, the way you spend your free time. So tell us a little bit about your life as an avid reader. Were you always so into books? Yeah. So 
you know, I've told people before, sometimes it looks like I have a lot of different hobbies, but really it just comes down to one hobby. It's books. It's like, that's all like, oh, okay. You go to author talks, you join book clubs, you do like (laughs) everything has something to do in some way with books. So yes, I have always been a reader actually growing up. No one else in my family is a big reader. You know, my parents would kind of joke, where did, where does she get that from? I, I don't know where I got it. I just, I don't know, maybe the right teacher introduced Introduced the right book at the right time. And I just got into reading that way. I will say that I started reading a lot more after college. I think once, you know, I didn't have to do schoolwork anymore, didn't have to worry about assignments. That's when I, I started reading a lot more. And then once I found Bookstagram or Bookstagram found me, I don't even, (laughs) I don't know how that happened. Then I started reading a lot more. Like my reading changed drastically. The quantity increased. Actually, the quality also improved. And so that that's been my reading life. What kind of things did you like to read when you were a kid? Oh, gosh. I'm thinking of some childhood books that I had. One book that I loved, actually, I read it so many times. I don't know why. And it was Heidi. Yeah. So, and I know that's a popular kid book, but, I, and I don't know why I kept reading this book about what was she an orphan? Maybe not. I don't even know. Oh, no. Or, or she lived on a farm, I think. Yeah. And now I really don't remember many details, um, except for maybe like a grassy hill or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, why did I keep reading? She but was an orphan. She was an orphan. She was. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Heidi all over and over again. Also, I read, let's see, there's some Nancy Drew in there. And then Judy Bloom was mm-hmm. a big one. Did you read forever when you were too young to read forever? The Judy Bloom? No, I didn't. Actually, I've never read that one. Well, actually, know. so no, not forever, Judy. So I, ha- I do have another story about trying to read a book when I was too young to read it. So the only book that my parents ever took from me, I don't know if you all know the movie Waiting to Exhale starring Whitney Houston. Uh, Yeah. So the movie had already come out because I had the movie tie-in paperback edition of Waiting to Exhale. And I think I'm going to guess that I was maybe like 12 years old or something like that, maybe 12 or 13. And my mother, she she must have known enough about it. Maybe she saw it. She wouldn't have read the book, but maybe she saw the movie and then saw me with the book, you know, with the movie tie-in edition. And she said, you know, you, you're, not, you're not old enough to read this. You're not old enough for this content. Um, so she took that book from me. And I didn't know until a few years later. I think I was probably in my mother's bedroom as she was cleaning out her walk-in closet. And she comes out of the closet with that book. Like she never threw it away or got rid of it. She just kind of hid it in her closet. And it was just kind of a casual, like, oh, I guess you can have this back now. (laughs) (laughs) And she gives it back to me and I read it and I was like, oh, it's spicy. Um, (laughs) So, you know, now, you know, I'm a lot older. I definitely understand why she looked at that and thought, what is she? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, she should not have this book in her possession. (laughs) So yeah, that's, and that's the only book that, you know, they ever took from me. And then I got it back years later. (laughs) So I know you said that Bookstagram really increased the amount and the quality of things that you were reading. Was there a specific book that you can remember got you started on that journey? So I'll say that. So I joined Instagram soon after Instagram became a thing. And I didn't, if Bookstagram existed then, I didn't know anything about it. But I've always posted about books. I think one of the first books I posted about after I started my account, I had a private account and I didn't know anything about Bookstagram, if it was even a thing. And I posted about Blood Meridian by uh, Cormac McCarthy. And then years later, uh, somehow in some other book communities, people started talking about Bookstagram or I don't really remember how I found it. But then, um, and actually I was on another, now it's been maybe five or six years ago, another popular book podcast. And I think after that is really, because then I made my account public. I mean, I started using the appropriate hashtags. I never changed uh, my account name to one of those fun, you know, book punny uh, <laughs> names. Um, but then it became, you know, almost exclusively about books. Yeah, I don't remember how it happened. It just, it was gradual. And then 
suddenly I it was, was like gradual and then it was all of a sudden that's true yeah it really it, it was not a particular book it's just you know I've always posted about books and one day I learned about oh there's a thing called bookstagram I think I have a bookstagram right? <laughs> and actually you know there are some people who you know I'm thinking of one person in particular who she followed me even when my account was private. She's also a bookstagrammer. And I think it, the, sort of the same thing happened for her. We somehow found each other because we both posted about books. So there are some people who were there like in the early, early days. And like, when I say the early days of Instagram, I don't know if you, when you all, we always had those, uh, the heavy, heavy filters with the borders. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you all were on Instagram then, but don't scroll too far back on, uh, <laughs> account because the pictures are terrible. <laughs> but I still posted about books. No, I also didn't write the longer book review captions. It would kind of just be like, here's my book and I'm having coffee. And the caption is just something like, this is really good. <laughs> like, I, you know, and that's, I didn't feel like I was writing for an audience. I just like to read and the picture is really just for me. And I had maybe 200 people following me, <laughs> you know, now I look back at some of those and I'm like, why didn't I say more about that book? <laughs> I want to know about genres. Are, are there certain genres that you tend to gravitate more towards? Yes. Uh, so I am mostly literary fiction, contemporary fiction, some historical fiction here and there, uh, mysteries, thrillers. Uh, and actually, the it's easier to tell you what I don't read than what okay. I read. So I am not your science fiction fantasy person at all. I have tried with fantasy. I've I, you know, I want to like fantasy. People get really excited about some of these huge fantasy novels, um, but I just cannot do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, it's, I think it's the, the world building. Uh, you know, if I'm going to take the time to learn about another world, let it be an actual culture somewhere that exists. I can't do the fantasy and I've tried. Now I can do maybe just a little bit of magic, just, you know, everything is the world I know, and maybe just throw in a nothing to see here. That's an example. I enjoyed that book, you know, just one small element that's sort of magical realism too, I can do. But yeah, mostly just literary contemporary fiction. Oh, and some romance. I've gotten more into romance or in recent years. Um, I especially enjoy listening to like YA romance as audiobooks because it's just easy listening, easy, fun listening. And then some of the heavier, you know, literary books, it's easier to digest if I'm reading them on the page. So like, as I said, like so much of your private life seems to revolve around bookish events. And I know you were, you know, at one time you were part of the Jane Austen Society here. You went to some of their events. I know you've done some retreats. You've done all kinds of things. So what have been some of the favorite things that you have done over the years that have been book related? So yeah, you're right. And uh, I forgot about some of those events. I love a literary theme party, uh, the Carnegie Center. Uh, for literacy and learning here in Lexington, Kentucky, every year they have a literary theme party. They pick a different classic book. And I've gone to that most years. The Jane Austen. So I read Jane Austen as an adult. I had never read Jane Austen before. I can't remember the year, but you know, this, you know, not, not too long ago. A lot of, I think a lot of people read Jane Austen in school, but I did not. I came to Jane Austen as an adult. I read Pride and Prejudice first and I thought, oh, this is what I need more of this. So then I read all of her novels, maybe over one summer. And, you know, and I thought, I, I want more of this. I want people who understand that, like people give me more recommendations. And then because of that, I joined a Jane Austen book club um, that focused on reading classics. And then after that, I got into uh, going to Jane Austen festivals. And those were, you know, a lot of fun. And any book, if I hear about it, if there's a book involved, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, book and retreats. Yes. You mentioned retreats. You just said, so yeah, I did actually not too long ago, the bookshop in Nashville's independent bookstore in Nashville, they had their first reader's retreat and it was just, they picked I think 10 people randomly to go to this sort of cabin in the woods outside of Nashville and just talk about books, play book related games. But the, actually the main thing was we 
silently read for we had, you know, lunch together and you did some other social things, but they also built in time for just silent reading, no judgment. And you're supposed to be mingling. You're getting to know, no, this is time where you're just going to relax and read your book. And that was amazing. I would definitely do that again. And then the uh, so Shaker Village here in Kentucky, they I have a friend who works for Shaker, Shaker Village and they started hosting a reader's retreat. They have a, a book in common for everybody to read before you get to the retreat. The author of that book it has been a Kentucky author, so, um, shows up to do a book discussion. Uh, we have a book swap. That has also been a lot of fun. And my friend who works there, who she organized it, um, and she planned that after for years, she worked there and we would just go out there for other activities. And we would talk about like, oh, this would be such a great place for a reading retreat. There are so many reading nooks and different areas where you it's just like, this is just a great reading environment. And also they have great food and drinks out there. It's just, it's amazing. So that also is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, any reading event, if it, if it has a reading in the title, or books, I'm going to be there. So especially if it's within driving distance. Yeah. (laughs) So let me ask a question about the reading retreats. So I've never been to anything like that. So what is the difference between going to a reading retreat and going off and reading on your own, as opposed to just like going to either your favorite reading spot in your house or your favorite coffee shop and reading? Is it just because if you want to, there's people there that you can go social if you want to? So it's still about the community because usually every reading retreat that I have ever been on, there has been, you know, some time for socializing and then it's fun to see what others are reading and then to talk to them about what they're currently reading. Have you heard that saying, being alone together? It just, it makes it a little bit more fun even when we are just silently reading. And then actually there is another bookstagrammer who she hosted a book mingle jingle Hmm. and uh, this was uh, over the uh, holiday break and this was just silent reading in a bar and so the first part you just all the readers brought their book and we were just sitting there reading the bar and it was kind of funny you know to look around and see some people in this bar that you know there were other people in the bar doing regular bar things you know talking and stuff and then then there were all these and I know they were probably like who are these people books just sitting around (laughs) Yeah, it was so much fun though. And then, you know, I'm trying to read and I'm still kind of looking around and trying to peek at, you know, different book covers. And then for the second half, you know, we put our books away and we got to just talk to each other and make new friends. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more than just sitting at home reading. Right, <laughs> right. Because for the most part, you're not just going to show up, read your book and leave. Although I would do that too. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're probably going to make a friend though. Right. Well, what I find and I think this relates to books in a, in a roundabout way, but when my family's at home, we're at home, but we're not really spending time together. Whereas if we go on vacation, if we leave our house and we go stay in another house that is not our house, then we spend time together. <laughs> and so I think it's because you don't have the distractions of your, your regular place. Right, and so, yeah. you know, even though I love to read, sometimes I sit down to start reading and then I'm like, oh, crap, I have to pay this bill or, oh, crap, I have to get the clothes out of the, the washing machine or whatever. And so if I'm at a bar, oh, I, well, there's no washing machine. You right. know? It's, <laughs> That's I, true. I can't do that. So I think it maybe gives you a a different way to relax with your reading that you don't get necessarily at home. At home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it, they, you know, that's another good point too, just having that designated time to read because sometimes I'll join the reading sprints, the live silent reading that people will host on Instagram. And it just forces me to say, I'm putting down my phone and I'm picking up my book and I'm going to read right now. This is, you know, because I've joined this with other people, like, and they're going to hold me accountable. So. Right. But yeah, I think it sounds like a perfect event for an introvert because I'm thinking about the bar one, especially now I think I could do it like at a retreat or something. That's a little bit different, but at a bar, I would not be able to concentrate on my book because I would be looking around to see what is going on at the bar, like, or I'd want to be chatting with people, but I, I'm not a complete extrovert, but I'm definitely a little bit more of an extrovert than say <laughs> Carrie, who I'm sure uh-huh. loves the idea of going to a bar and, and, and not it. having to talk to anybody unless I see like one other person reading a book that I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. And having a ready-made 
topic of conversation. You know, yeah, that's I've also yeah. Oh, I've also just gone to bars and read by myself, like sat at the bar, yeah. had a drink, and read my book. <laughs> like, and I am more introverted, so I did make the mistake of the event I mentioned uh, at the bar. I think I had just finished a book. And then I took a brand new book that had not started. I'd not even read one sentence of this book. Don't do that. If you're going to the event like this, you really, it did not work for me because a lot of noise and a lot of things happening around me. And I was not already into that book and, you know, pretty like grounded into the story. I was very easily distracted because I don't know this book yet. And yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I would definitely recommend if you do something like that, um, maybe just when, when you're really in the middle of something and you're, you're into it and you don't want to put it down, then you, that's the book you take. <laughs> so. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, so you did a presentation to a Black women's professional group, and it was called Empowering Reads, Books That Celebrate and Uplift Black Women. So I, I'm curious about the books that you selected to present. Right. So I saw that they were looking for presenters at this conference for Black women because I've never done anything like that before. But I thought, you know, I'm just going to pitch this thing. And of course, I'm going to pitch something about books. And the theme of the conference was empowering Black women. And I said, you know, how about books that empower Black women? <laughs> you know? So I wrote a proposal um, and it was accepted. And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now I got to do this. <laughs> yeah. Now people are going to expect me to know things. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it ended up being a lot of fun. Uh, one thing I did is I got on Instagram and I asked for feedback. Uh, what what would you put on this list? And that was helpful because a lot of people uh, named books that I had already been considering, but maybe they were books that I had not read for you know several years. So I'm like, does it really fit? So it was nice to have other people uh, sort of confirm what I was already thinking. You know, so one book that I immediately came to mind was You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. It's a YA book. It was the only YA book on my list. And, you know, I read some YA, but, you know, I don't read a, a ton of it. But that was a book that I, I started there because in 2020, you know, I needed a book that was about Black joy and uplifting. And I didn't even know that I needed that until I started reading this book. And it's just like, this is the best. It was, you know, and there's this high school girl uh, at this Midwestern school who she's running for prom queen. And, you know, she's kind of awkward. But, you know, eventually, you know, she she builds her courage. I just have to pick up my crown, you know, and it, it excellent. Uh, I loved it. And so that immediately went on the list and several other people on Instagram also uh, recommended that book. Um, another one was The House of Eve. And I thought that that was just a great look at and motherhood um, during that period. And then there's another book called uh, Power, the Rise of Black Women in America. Um, this is a nonfiction book that uh, probably most people have not heard about, but um, it's a data-driven book about how, you know, Black women are thriving in their careers, in education. And I read that book and I thought, you know, and it was just, it was not like anything I'd read before about Black women. This book said instead of comparing Black women to another demographic, look at just Black women and what they've done you know, over this period of time. And I'm getting this all wrong. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> right. You know, and see, just see how great Black women are doing when you look mm -hmm. at, you know, Black women over this period of time. And it's such an uplifting and empowering book. Um, there's another coffee table book about Black hair. So yeah, anyway, the, I could go on and on. But <laughs> I was nervous about the presentation because I thought, well, I haven't read every book by a Black woman yet. So I'm not ready to do this. But, you know, I just thought, you know, I can only talk about the books that these books I've read that I feel like fit the category. And uh, it was a small group that showed up to my, uh, we had breakout sessions um, that showed up to my session, but they were all, they were, they were readers um, and they were passionate about it. So I gave them my recommendations. They gave me their own recommendations and it ended up just being a really great intimate discussion about books that uplift and empower black women. I love that you did a variety of different, of different genres. You had a YA one in there. You had one that sounds thinks literary fiction or maybe it's historical yeah. fiction. Yeah. And then you had a nonfiction. Now was the one about hair, was it called my 
my beautiful my beautiful my beautiful black, black hair. hair yes we had that author on the podcast oh, yeah, she's when it first came out she was so nice uh but i i bought that book for a friend of mine and was she there... has a children's version now i think she yes now i can't yes i can't remember the name but there's a book for maybe it may even be the uh board book for the tiny ones <laughs> right yeah. right so do you remember any of the books that some of the the participants recommended to you and have you read any of them so not yet um so okay it was not too long ago and also, oh you know i'm i'm one of those readers you give me a book recommendation and i say i'm you know gonna put that at the top of my two tbr <laughs> I'm going to read that. And by the top of my TBR, I mean, I will read that in the next 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like your TBR and Amy's TBR are friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I am. You know, or, or, you know, sometimes it, you know, you recommend a book to, I I get home and it, I happen to see that book and I'm like, huh, someone just mentioned that yesterday and look, there it is. And so then I'm like, right, I'm I'm a mood reader. Like I just, you never really know how it's going to work out. And and sometimes I feel really sorry for the physical books that I actually buy because it is very possible that those might be on my TBR the longest. I don't know why. Like I'm more likely to read a book that I have to check out of the library for some reason. Oh yeah. Or whatever. But sometimes the physical books that I have, it's like, okay, well, I, I really wanted to buy this book. Like I had to have it right now. And yeah, I'll probably read it in the next five years. It's right. like, I, why, why did I have you to know, have it right now? I used second, to be but... that way, but then my library got rid of fines recently. Oh, oh. yeah. Old so, game changer. I can hold on to that stack of books forever. It's like, okay. Due date. Optional. I try, so okay so here is the rule that I've always had and I try to stick by this for the most part with library books is I tell myself that because I you know, understand other people want the book especially if it's new and popular and my rule that I've always told myself is if, if the due date arrives and I have already started that book I am already reading that book then I will finish the book and yeah. return it when I'm ready. If the due date arrives and I have not even looked at that book since I brought it home from the library, then I'm going to return it and just check it out later. That's, <laughs> I try to do that, but uh, yeah. Not only do you do fun bookish events, but you also volunteer in bookish ways and you serve on the library board of advisors of the library where you live did you pitch yourself for that or did somebody ask you to do it or how did that come about several people asked me to do it so (laughs) I had never served on a board before and I have a actually well I have two good friends who are involved in the library in some way and when there was an opening on the library board you know I had two or three friends who said, Shantae, you should definitely do it. Like they just sent it to me. And so everybody, you know, they just said, you, you have to do this. And so I applied and it has been really great. I've enjoyed, you know, learning about how the library system works and being a part. Actually, I mentioned that um, our library just got rid of fines. It was actually our board that did that. So I'm happy to be attached to (laughs) to that decision. And, you know, we have a new library branch um, that is opening soon. And I've, you know, been able to hear, you know, all the discussion about that new branch. So, yeah, I have really uh, enjoyed it. So about the fines, our library recently adopted that within the last couple of years, I guess, also adopted that policy of of no fines. So from a library point of view, though, like I think it's great because like you said, you can, you know, if you're in the middle of, the, of a book and you're not quite done, you can keep it a little longer and it's not a big deal. Uh, but I'm wondering why libraries are going that way. What, well, what is it, the... Um, and I would have wondered that too, but it actually costs more money to administer the fonts. Oh, it it, it makes sense. I thought maybe, yeah, or I thought maybe they're just trying to encourage more people to use the library. They thought, well, if we don't charge fines, then, you know, maybe more people would would come and and use our services. So when we were making the decision to eliminate fines, um, we learned, those of us on the board, that it does cost more money to uh, collect the fines. And then also the library just they want to encourage people to keep using the library. Mm. No, they don't want anyone to feel like they're not welcome in the library. Maybe you have a book that you have had for 
X period of time and you owe some money, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody is welcome to always return to the library. And, and, and I think this was a way to just make the library even more welcoming um, and mm-hmm. easy, easier to use. Yeah. You know, you think about not everybody has a car, you know, different populations of people, the elderly, you know, it's not easy for them to get to a library to return a book. Not everybody has as easy of access as everybody else. Right. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you prefer physical books or do you read any ebooks as well? I prefer physical books. I have a Kindle and it's dead and I will read ebooks sometimes, but I mostly prioritize the books that I can see versus the Mm -hmm. digital TBR. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's mostly just the physical books and then audio books. Usually when I get out my Kindle, a lot of times it's because I got a digital a review copy of a book, an author that I've loved in the past or so, <laughs> like something that I'm really excited about. Um, and they only gave me a digital copy and then I'll um, charge up my Kindle <laughs> and, and I'll read it that way. I read in all formats, but it's mostly the physical books. So do you get a lot of like book mail and, and arcs? Uh, yeah, it's a blessing, of course, but also in the last couple of years, I've you know, had to remind myself I can't read everything. I only have so much time. Um, so, you know, I've tried to be mindful of you know, when the publisher contacts me and asks me if I'm interested in the book, I pr- try to only say yes if I'm truly interested in reading that book at some point. And so I try to just make sure I'm reading the description carefully or if it's an author I've enjoyed in the past, and that's usually an automatic yes. But yeah, I've had a lot of books show up lately, which is which is great. But you know, also it makes me feel a little guilty when yeah. I am like yeah. the pressure. Yeah, of, yeah the oh, pressure. Yeah, I should read this. <laughs> like I need to. It's um, a little stressful. I think sometimes I think we spend too much time hyping the book when it first comes out, and it's like, well, that book's going to be around a long time, and it's okay to talk about it a year later or two years later. But I guess what I'm saying is like with the arc, sometimes I feel this pressure to like read it now, now, now. And and I don't always have the time to read all of these books right right that second. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's more fun. You know, I found when I post about a book on Instagram. So if I read a book before it comes out and then, you know, post about that book, maybe it's a book that I love five stars, you know, and Mm -hmm. I write that review um, and people are interested. That's great. However, I have found that if I... Uh, procrastinate a little bit or whatever you want to call it. We can call it procrastination if you want. Uh, And then maybe I, you know, I read that book months after it publishes. You know, sometimes it's more fun because a lot of other people have also read that book. So posting about, you know, popular books or books that more people have read that those conversations are sometimes more fun on Instagram. So um, just because more people can chime in on on their thoughts. So yeah. So I want to know how you feel about like reading goals. Do, do you make them every year or not? Or, cha- or do you do any reading challenges? Um, so I don't do reading challenges. Um, it's just not something I've, no, I've tried them before, but then realize it's just something that I'm not really interested in. <laughs> so yeah, um, I will cr- create some reading goals uh, for myself. Uh, maybe I want to read more classics in that year, or maybe there is an author whose backlist I'd like to read and, you know, becoming a, com- a completist, you know, with that author. I stopped doing numerical goals a few years ago. I don't do a Goodreads goal. Every year somebody comments because they look on Goodreads and they see, oh, Shantae, dude, is this a typo? You only said one book. And I go on there and I just say one book because I wanted to create the list of everything I read that year, but I don't need Goodreads telling me that I'm behind. No, I'm not behind. Yeah. I'll read what I read. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to keep trying. What I read is that's what I read. <laughs> like if you're yeah. not. And actually, before I stopped setting the the numerical goal, I would always change it anyway, because I would get annoyed, you know, say, you know, I set it at, you know, 52 books. And by the end of the year, um, at 40 books, well, I would just change it 40. Like, that's what, <laughs> and it was like, congratulations. <laughs> it's like, thank you. And I mean, you know, and I understand wanting to push yourself to read more. But, you know, sometimes I see people at the end of the year just they seem to me to be getting so stressed out about reaching the goal. I'm like, you know, you can just change that number at any time, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
like that was great that you tried to get to 100 books maybe you didn't and now you can just set another goal so so that's how I handle it this year my goal was really just to focus on quality and I want to read fewer three-star books that were just okay or or three-star books that I liked and I know people three-star that's a gray area and I I, I no longer will do star ratings on Instagram unless it's five stars because everybody understands what five stars what that means but I would sometimes say you know three stars I like this book but you know maybe there were some things I didn't like things that you know and people go three stars I'm sorry you hated it No, I didn't. I liked it. It did. It didn't change my life. You know, it was perfectly fine. Someone else might enjoy that book. Someone else may love that book. I did not hate it. But, you know, there are also some three star books that in the past I've just spent way too long reading, you know, and it was just like and then just felt kind of blah about it. And so I have been like stopping books a lot. So far this year, if I'm not into that book after a certain number of pages or a certain period where I really just don't care where it's going, I'm just going to stop and move on. And I'm hoping that that will lead to more four and five star books. Um, We'll see how it goes. Is that is that a new thing for you? Like being willing to DNF things? No, it's not. So I've always been pro DNF. I'm just kind of ramping it up. So okay. then, you know, it's like, and this year I'm just like, I'm just going to be a little more hardcore about it. I, I think is that what, that's what I'm trying to say. I get this way in December a lot at the end of the year, especially when I'm on uh, my winter break. I work at a university and I've got, you know, some time off. I want to read the best books. And so I, I think I do that every December because every December I end up reading a lot of five-star books, a lot of books that one year, the last book I read of the year was my favorite book of the year, you know? Oh, wow. And it, yeah. And it, and that happens to me, I think, because um, being careful what I choose, I'm not wasting time if I'm not, if, you know, and even books that I would, you know, just maybe like um, in the Decembers, I'm like, few chapters, if I don't feel like I'm going to love it, then then I'm putting it away for another time. You know, it needs to just really feel like it has potential to blow me away. And yeah. so I'm trying to take carry that end of the year, make it my year round attitude. Well, now I want to know what this book was, the last one of the year that you read. Oh, that was, that was, yeah, that was a hell of a book by Jason. Oh, um, and it, it was won one. the National Book Award. Oh, yeah. And that ago. Yeah, whatever year that was, it was the last book I read. And I, this is it. <laughs> I was like right here. I don't know why. I don't remember when it came out and when I read it. But I just, I think I had it for a while. And it's probably become one of my favorite books of, of all time. There was another outstanding book that I thought was going to be my favorite book that year. And then Hell of a Book just came and said, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Um, and actually that other, it was The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr., oh. which is another book that I absolutely love. I talked about that book for the entire year. And then <laughs> said, you all, I told you my favorite book of the year a long time ago. And then I read Hello, a book last. And I was just like, oh, let me, um, like, <laughs> let me, <laughs> you know, really, they're both incredible, outstanding. Honestly, when I, if I'm giving a list of all time favorites, I think both of those are likely to be in that list. But this has happened to me multiple times. Like I'm just, oh, another book that I read at the very end of the year was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody was talking about that book. And by the time I posted my review on Instagram, I said, look, you all probably didn't need to hear anything else else about this book, but it's all true. I was like, like, I was coming in so late. Yeah, it was just like, hey, I'm sorry, but I loved it. And, and I know everybody else did too. And everyone, you know, I was like, hey, yeah, duh. You know, <laughs> but, you know that, and that was another uh, December book. So I, I tend to read a lot of excellent, excellent books in December. All right. We kind of circled back. This is probably a good time to take a little break. And when we come back, we're all going to talk about what we're reading. Before we talk, let's hear from a fellow book lover in New Zealand about her most recent five-star read. I'm Lindley. I'm from New Zealand and known as Bichon and Books NZ on Instagram. My last five-star read was Water by John Boynes, the first in a stunning quartet of novellas. In Water, we follow Vanessa, who has escaped to a remote island off the Irish coast, reinventing herself as Willow Hale. 
Surrounded by water and drowning in her own emotions, Willow is recovering from a traumatic event that occurred in her life. At first, the reader is left unaware of her backstory, so we follow Willow through her daily life on the island, swimming, coastal walks, and the occasional heartfelt conversations with locals. John Boyne is an excellent storyteller. In water, he peels off the many layers of Willow's life to slowly reveal her backstory. As the perfect wife, mother, perfect hostess, whose focus on perfection missed the heinous actions of her husband. Water captivates you from the moment you start reading. It is so easy to read, no word is wasted. And it's a reflective story about one woman coming to terms with the demons of her past and finding a new path forward. We are back with Shante Hopkins, who is a book lover extraordinaire, and with Carrie. Carrie, what have you been reading? So I discovered a book called Enter the Body by Joy McCullough. So at the high school that I work at, I was waiting for some students in the library, and I saw it on display. And it is a book of poems told by four of Shakespeare's female characters. So Juliet, mm-hmm. Ophelia, Lavinia, and Cordelia. So each of them, they're kind of in this hellscape a little bit with each other and other female characters who sort of act as almost like a, a Greek chorus. But all of these female characters have been wronged in some way in the literature that they're in, primarily by the men in their lives. So for example, Ophelia, if you've read Hamlet, you know that she's kind of a pawn of her father Polonius, and she's mistreated by Hamlet. Cordelia is punished by her father, King Lear, for not speaking lies to him in order to sort of soothe his ego. So I thought this was a pretty cool way to tell these women's stories and allow them a voice that they aren't given in the plays. So while I knew about Juliet and Ophelia and Cordelia, I didn't really know anything about Lavinia. And so I decided to remedy that. So in Enter the Body, she doesn't tell her story. So we we learn about Lavinia from the other female characters. Here's the clincher. She cannot tell her story because in the Shakespeare play that she's in, Titus Andronicus, she's raped, has her tongue cut out, and her hands cut off by the enemies of her father so that she has no way to communicate who attacked her. And then, as if that's not all horrible enough, her own father kills her at the end of the play. Yeah, it's horrible. I knew the play was a complete blood fest. I had heard that. But reading Enter the Body and learning about Lavinia made me then go read Titus Andronicus so I could get the full picture. So if you have any interest in Shakespeare, if you have any interest in feminist tales, if you like poetry, or if you have maybe a young person, a young woman in your life who's learning a little bit about Shakespeare. I I just felt like it was really well done and a unique way to tell about these female characters. So I highly recommend it. It's Enter the Body by Joy McCullough. And then, you know, if you feel like reading Titus Andronicus by William Shakespeare, go for it. Is it a tale told in verse or it's actual poems? They're kind of in this hellscape. They're all together, almost like under a stage the basement of a stage. And here, I think it's Juliet who starts and she starts telling her story. And so she's telling it through poetry. Mm -hmm. And then the other female characters ask her questions. And so there'll be a section where they're talking to each other. And then like Cordelia will tell her story in poetry form. So it's mostly poems, but the format is, it's very modern. And it sounds like um, almost like a therapy session. It, like, it is. You know, we're like bit. everybody sort of telling their, it, it is. the trauma it is. that happened to them. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, except for Lavinia, because she can't. I mean, I love Shakespeare's plays and I just thought this was really cool. And, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, I, I hope that students at the school are checking it out because it was pretty great. All right. Well, Shantae, what have you been reading? So I just started a book called Dixon Descending by Karen Uten, and it comes out on February 6th. And 
it is about a black man who and he may be possibly trying to be the first black man uh, to climb Mount Everest, but he has you know different reasons for wanting to do this. Um, he works at a school. He's in his forties. He's not climbed in a long time. He's a, a former runner um, who actually just you know almost made the Olympics when he was in probably in college but once an Olympic level runner, um, and he decides to climb Mount Everest. So Dixon Descending, actually the reason why I didn't read a lot about the book before I started it. Um, and it just, it seems like it's going to be really, really great. But I think one thing that drew me to it on the cover, there is a quote that says, this book will hurt you, move you, and make you glad you joined the journey. Um, Martha Southgate. And I am all for the books that hurt you, the books that make you cry. <laughs> it sounds like there's going to be, you know, some tragedy there. Um, you know, it's a family story and started reading it and just kind of fell right into it. And to, you know, it's a book that made me be turn off the TV or, you know, when I get home from work and I'm tired and I just want to eat dinner and probably, you know, probably watch a show that I've seen a million times. This is the book that says, no, what you want to do right now, <laughs> like is cut, <laughs> cut off the TV and get back into this book. Or last night, you know, made me want to stay up late and not go to sleep. So if I take a book to bed and I stay up for several hours, then you know, the book is good because I do like to go to sleep. <laughs> It's like, you know, otherwise, you know, the book can be fine. It can end up being a five-star book, but there's just not a lot of books that I'm going to, you know, feel like I barely keep your eyes open and you're just fighting with sleep. You know, not a lot of books that do that because usually when I reach that point, it's like, okay, the book will be there tomorrow. This book is making making me want to stay up. (laughs) Like it's making me want to fight and keep my eyes open. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, where that's going. Yes. So this book is called uh, Dixon Descending by Karen Uten. Very good. Awesome. Now, that's fiction, not memoir, right? It is a novel. Correct. It's a novel. Okay. okay. Yes. Very good. Awesome. Okay. Well, Amy, you were deliberating this morning. You weren't sure what book you were going to talk about. So what did you land on? I'm going to talk about a book that I read over most of the winter break. And it's a little longer than books that I normally read. It was like over 400 pages. So it took me a little while, uh, but it was really worth it. it. It's called The Weather Woman by Sally Gardner. And this is the kind of novel for me that I can just like kind of sink into and enjoy the world that Sally Gardner has created. This is a historical fiction novel with a little touch of magical realism, and it's set in the Regency era in London. And so when the book opens, we're thrown into the world of a frost fair, a time in winter when the River Thames freezes over and vendors and performers set up on the ice in a carnival-like setting. And these really happened in like the 16th, 17th, early 1800s, they would have frost fairs because apparently they used much more severe winters uh, than they do now. They said that it was like a little mini ice age that they had for like a century and a half or so. Our main character, Neva, is a very young girl who's at the frost fair with her parents. And her parents are immigrants from Russia. And they have a booth that features an automaton bear that plays chess. And inside the bear is Neva's mother, who is a chess genius, and she beats anyone that she plays. And so they make money because, you know, it's a it's a betting thing, right? Um, But Neva has her own special gift. She can predict the weather up to the hour or even the minute. And she could hear the ice talking. So she tells her parents to get off the ice before it cracks. Her parents die, but she lives and she is adopted by a local clockmaker. He recognizes Neva's gift, but he doesn't want anybody to know about it because this is a very lucrative kind of gift, right? Like he's worried that she might be kidnapped for it. Or some people would say that she's bewitched because in this age, like only God could, could know the weather. So they want to keep her talent secret. But Neva wants to be able to use her gift. So as she gets older, her father builds his own automaton named the Weather Woman that appears in, you know, the salons all over London of its most wealthy families as an entertainment predicting the weather. And then as she gets even older, she takes on the persona of a young man 
in order to be able to attend scientific lectures, as she would never be allowed to do that as a woman. But along the way, Neva and her father, Victor, make enemies and will never ever find love and still be able to be herself, a genius level intellect that shirks to no man and their egos. So this had a little bit of the feel of a Dickens novel with some of the the snarly bad guys, but with the romance, the society and class relationships in a Jane Austen novel, and with just a little bit of the science and sense of magic that you would find in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. So I just loved it. It's over 400 pages, but you could really sink your teeth into this one. Sally Gardner is a British writer who's been writing for children for decades. She's published over 30 books. She's not very well known here, but she's on my radar now, and I'm excited to see what else she writes. This was her first book published for adults. I guess actually maybe she has written some others under a pen name, but this is the first one under her real name that's for adults. Um, So again, the name of that book is The Weather Woman by Sally Gardner. Very good. All right. Well, I want to thank Shantae one more time for being a guest on our show. We're so glad to, to be friends with you on Instagram and to see everything you're reading and to be able to hear about your experiences and books that empower Black women. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you both so much for inviting me and for making this such a great conversation. You can find Shantae on Instagram at Shantae1. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at perksofbeingabooklover.pod and on Facebook at perksofbeingabooklover. To send us a message, go to our website and click the contact button. If you enjoy listening to us each week, tell a friend or write us a review on your favorite podcast platform to help other book lovers find us. And finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there live or in archives at forwardradio.org.